Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, March 27, 2016, on the basis of 1 Corinthians 15, verses 19 through 26. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. That was interesting. You see, you didn't realize it, but just then I was doing a little experiment. You were sort of like my guinea pigs. And it worked exactly as planned. You see, just this past week, I came across an article that was entitled, The Power of Influence, Six Tools to Get Anyone to Do Anything. Sounds too good to be true, right? And yet, believe it or not, using just a couple of those right now, I got you to do exactly what I wanted you to do. I'll show you all six of them. The first one is reciprocation. Generally, someone will do something for you if you've done something for them first, right? I don't think that one came into play here. Second one is authority. People will do something for someone who they perceive to be either important or intelligent. So I don't know, maybe some of you took a peek in my office on your way in today, and did you see some of those diplomas hanging on the wall? Did you see some of those big fancy books that I have? How about that, huh? Number three, consistency. So once people have chosen a specific direction, generally they want to continue with the direction that they've chosen. Number four, consensus. People will do what everyone else is doing. So maybe once you saw how this little exchange worked, you you figured, sure, why not? It's Easter. I'll join in. Number five, urgency. If people perceive as though they can't have something or it's running out, they will want it even more. And then finally, liking. People will listen to someone that they consider likable. Oh, thanks, guys. (laughs) Now, we might be a little bit skeptical about whether those six simple tools can be used to get anyone to do anything, but I think we'd all agree that all of them could play a part in many of the decisions that we make. And today, Easter Sunday, is a perfect opportunity for us to be talking about one of them in particular. It's number three, on the list, the idea of consistency. You see, whatever your reason might have been, many of you, maybe even most of you, just allowed four words to come out of your mouth. He is risen indeed. And whether you realized it or not, those four simple words have incredible implications. In other words, if a person were to live a life that is completely consistent with what you just said, well, there would literally be no area of your life that would remain untouched or unchanged. In fact, the truth that those words express, whether it is true or whether it is false, is really the central question of faith. You see, sometimes when people think about God or they think about religion or they think about church, they kind of have other things that are on their mind, other questions that they want answered First, Some people might be thinking, you know, I I went to church when I was younger. Do I really need to go back? Should I really go back? At times, other people might be thinking, you know, I'd be perfectly happy to go to church except for what I know about the people who already go to church. Other people might be thinking, you know, there are some things in the Bible that I just can't understand or can't get on board with. And still others that might just be a little bit upset, a little bit burned, by the fact that at some point in their life when, God really, when they really needed God, God didn't answer their prayers. And yet really the one question 
that needs to be answered, even before any of those other questions is asked, is, is this simple one. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Without that question, all, all of the other ones don't matter a bit. So as we turn our attention to Paul's words in this first letter that he wrote to a church in a city called Corinth, we're going to see what it means to live a life that is consistent with our answer to that all-important question, did Jesus really rise from the dead? First of all, we'll think about what if he didn't? And then second of all, what if he did? Sound like a plan? All right, so what if he didn't rise from the dead? We might be inclined to think that the only people who need to really answer that question are those people who intellectually have an issue with the idea that a guy who is really dead could really come back to life. And yet far more common, and what was actually going on in the church in Corinth, is that you had people who were perfectly on board with the idea that Jesus rose from the dead. They were just living their lives as if he had not. As if this life here on earth was all that there really is. As if when a person dies, that's just it. That's just the end. And so Paul's point to these Corinthians is simple. He says, let's take that to its logical conclusion. Let's apply that idea consistently. If this life is all there is, if when you die it's really the end, then you really need to go the whole way and say that Jesus himself did not rise from the dead. And if that's true, if there really is no tomorrow, well then you might as well live as if there's no tomorrow. You know, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Paul actually says that later in this chapter. That kind of approach, that kind of life would be very, very consistent. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, do you know what wouldn't be consistent? Going to church. Reading the Bible. Ever having an urge to do something and not acting on it. Ever choosing a road in life that is not the easiest road? In fact, you know what? We should, we should come up with a word to describe people who live that way. What word would come to mind? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, the people who still spend so much time on faith and religion, Paul actually used a word. Kind of a bold pick. I don't know if I would have been so daring as Paul was. He calls people like that pitiful. Here's what he actually said. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, then we, the people going to church on Sunday, the people reading their Bibles, the people fighting against the temptations of sin, the people enduring persecution from, for their faith, then we, of all people, are the most to be pitied. So friends, here's how this works. If if we're going to consider the possibility that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, it would completely miss the point to stand up here and ask, okay, everybody that thinks he did, raise their hand. And then everybody that thinks he didn't, raise their hand. No, instead, each one of us should be asking this all-important question, which of those two answers is more consistent with the life that I have been living? Have I been living as if there's no tomorrow? 
as if the most important purpose in life is to have as much fun as possible, pile up as much stuff as possible, and follow each and every desire of my pretty little heart, and then, then when I die, at least I can say I had a good run. If that's the case, if that's how a person lives, it would be completely inconsistent to then sit here on Easter morning and say, well, sure, it's Easter. I believe Jesus rose from the dead. I mean, everybody knows that, right? He was born on Christmas. He died on Good Friday. He rose from the dead on Easter Sunday, and then he wrote the Declaration of Independence on the 4th of July, right? Those are the big four Christian holidays every year. It would be utterly inconsistent to sit here and say that Jesus rose from the dead if the life that we are living is exactly like the kind of life someone would live if he did not. Those are the implications of what if he didn't? What if he did? Now here's maybe where it would be good to address those people who, who wouldn't be quick to give me a free pass on that idea. It's a pretty big if, right? I mean, for example, I could say to you, you know, there's, a, there's an alien spaceship coming to Earth right now. And it's full of this giant army of aliens and their only food source is those little Reese's peanut butter cups that this time of year are shaped like Easter eggs. And so what you need to do is go home right now, grab all of those Reese's peanut butter cups shaped like Easter eggs, and bring them and give them to me. And don't worry, don't worry. When the aliens land, I will offer them as a peace offering so that they're not upset with us. If that's true, if that spaceship were really coming, that would be a good idea, right? But that's a pretty big if, probably one that you wouldn't let me get away with. And yet, believe it or not, people have made the case, and rightly made the case, that as big as an if as that is, it's an even bigger if that a guy who is really, really dead could really come back to life. Are we really supposed to believe that? Let me start by saying that that next Sunday, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that big if. Can we really know whether Jesus rose from the dead? But for now, let me just say this one thing and notice this one thing from our text. Obviously, the man who is writing these words doesn't consider it an if. He says this. He says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. It's not even a question in Paul's mind. But do you know anything about that man named Paul who wrote those words? You see, shortly after Jesus' death, Paul was giving every second of his time and every ounce of his energy to persecuting Christians. If it were up to Paul, every single person who ever said Jesus lives should be put in prison and eventually executed. In fact, if Paul showed up today and had a chance to have a conversation with the most cynical skeptic, the most ardent and militant atheist in our world, do you know what he'd say? He'd say, why are you being so nice to those delusional Christians? You need to pick up your game. We need to rid the world of these people. We need to rid the world of these lies and fairy tales. In other words, those those six tools for convincing anyone to do anything, those would not have worked on the Apostle Paul. No one and nothing was going to change his mind about Jesus, except then he completely changed his mind about Jesus. And he spent the rest of his life traveling the Mediterranean world, telling people of all things, Jesus lives. In fact, he was the one eventually imprisoned 
and eventually beheaded for refusing to back down from the claim of all things that Jesus lives. That's a pretty hard thing to explain unless what Paul claimed was true, that he had in fact seen the risen Jesus with his own two eyes. Turns out this big if, history's biggest if, actually has some pretty good legs underneath it. So what if it's true? What if Jesus really did rise from the dead? Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So let me ask you, what do you think is the one thing in life of which you are able to be the most certain? I'm sure you know that old expression that talks about two things that are more certain than anything else, right? And with April 15th coming up, we we know the certainty of one of them. But if you had to pick between the two, death or taxes, which one would it be? In other words, if you had to pick a career where you knew there would always be work for you to do, would it be as an IRS agent or as a director at a funeral home? I got to tell you, it, it seems as though taxes are here to stay, but it's not even close. You see, whether you exercise each and every day or hardly exercise at all, whether your diet is anything and everything that is high in fiber or anything and everything that is wrapped up in bacon, death is coming and you cannot escape it. It is the one thing in life of which you can be the most certain. But if Jesus really rose from the dead, then death has some company. Death has some competition. For just as certainly as every person who belongs to the family of Adam will one day die, so also just as certainly everyone who belongs to the family of Christ will one day rise. If Jesus really rose from the dead, then not only do we know that there's a tomorrow, we know exactly what that tomorrow holds. If Jesus rose from the dead, then Easter really is the day the end began for death. Easter is the day when death itself died. Now, in case you might be tempted to think that that sort of sounds like a sappy, sentimental consolation prize at the end of life for people who don't really get the most out of life, consider the implications of a life that is consistent with that one simple truth. If Jesus really rose from the dead, then the payment he made for your sins on that cross on Good Friday really did, in fact, work. If Jesus rose, then when God up in heaven, the almighty ruler of the universe, the just judge of all the earth, looks at you, he is perfectly pleased and proud. In spite of everything you've ever done to disappoint him or even disgust him, and believe me, what you know about yourself, God knows that too, and he knows even more. But every one of those sins was paid for in full by Jesus. If Jesus really rose from the dead, It means that nothing, nothing can separate you from the people in this world that you love most, even if those people are sitting right next to you right now. Nothing, not cancer, not heart attacks, not war, 
Not terrorism, not even old age. Nothing can separate you from those people. Sure, there's an inevitable temporary separation because of death, but just as certainly an eternal family reunion awaits. If Jesus really rose from the dead, then every single thing that the Bible tells us, every promise the Bible makes us must be true. Even the things that seem too good to be true, even the pills that seem too bitter to swallow, if Jesus really rose, then God's way and God's wisdom always win in the end. Friends, the implications of a life that is consistent with the idea that Jesus rose from the dead are quite literally eternal. And guess what? A life spent in consistency with the idea that Jesus rose from the dead, it will give you more joy, more peace, more comfort, more certainty, more stability than eat, drink, and be merry could ever possibly do. So friends, I don't want you to say any four words simply because I've manipulated you into doing so. I don't want you to say it just because everyone else is doing it or because somehow I've convinced you that I'm a halfway intelligent or likable guy. No, I want you to say those four words simply because Jesus' followers have been saying those four words without reservation and without retraction from the very first day that it happened. And from the very first day that it happened, Jesus' followers have been finding out that there is nothing that compares to a life that is consistent with the truth that those words proclaim. So Christ is risen. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.